The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Your host is Rochelle McLaughlin. It's time to experience radical well-being. Learn to nourish your heart, body, and mind. Manifest your power in the present. And learn to live your life's infinite potential. Now, here's your host, Rochelle McLaughlin. Welcome, everyone. The non-dualist view that matter could move itself that humans are part of nature and part of the cosmos, that all matter is alive as having agency, is expressed in a variety of ways in non-modern, indigenous, and traditional communities of peoples from America, Africa, Asia, Europe, and the Pacific. And even in the 21st century, two-thirds of the world's peoples live in non-modern places. One such non-dualist contemporary practice is that of the Lakota of North America of ending their prayers with the phrase, all my relations. This is how Chief Orrin Lyons of the Haudenosaunee people of the northeast part of the U.S. and Canada expresses the moral community as including human, non-human, and other than human beings. The Lakota personify the natural forces of nature to remind us that we are deeply entangled with nature and that when such relationships are robust, human lifeways are rich and environmentally sustainable. The objective is to re-entangle humans in nature by promoting a spirituality and ecology of belonging and connection to nature. This is from Dr. Frederick Apfel-Marglin's beautiful book, Subversive Spiritualities, How Rituals Enact the World. Frederic Bio and I are coming together today for part two of this series on re-entangling humans with nature, a spirituality and ecology of belonging. And today we will be exploring how we might rekindle intimacy and reciprocity with nature and explore what needs to unfold for us to resituate and re-entangle ourselves within the other-than-human world so that we can reimagine and co-create human lifeways that are rich and environmentally sustainable. So welcome back, dear Frederic and Bio. Hello, Rochelle. Hello, Bio. Hello, Frederic. Hello, Rochelle. Great to be here. Great to have you. Frederic, in the first segment of our part one episode, you were sharing about this, the amazing story about how you came to the work that you're doing in Peru. And it would be wonderful if you could tell us more about that. And my sense is that it is a great springboard for our conversation today about rekindling intimacy and reciprocity with nature and how it is that re-entangling humans with nature is an ecological imperative. So if we could start there, that would be wonderful. Yes, um, yes, I believe that uh, I left off mentioning that about eight years ago, I had I was terminating very it was terminated rather brutally, uh, a collaboration with the Fair Trade uh, Coffee Co-op. I had been collaborating with them for four years. And then 
all of a sudden, uh, the manager really uh, turned out to be a rather greedy person, and it was very traumatic for me. And it came at a very bad time uh, when my mother was dying. I had just lost my brother who had raised me. My husband just left me for a much younger woman. So it was a, a series of calamities that really completely undid me, and I just fell apart. I was in Peru at the time, and I thought I would never come back to Peru. I, In fact, I, I wanted to die. I was such bad shape. But I had the, uh, you know, the clarity of mind to say, well, let me go to this shamanic retreat in the forest um, organized by uh, this uh, institution that I had been collaborating with for years called Takiwasi that treats drug addiction uh, there nearby in Tarapoto. And I went to this retreat um, and it consists of first having a ceremony, an ayahuasca ceremony. Ayahuasca is a plant brew made of two plants, very sacred plants, that has existed according to archaeologists for at least 5,000 years in the Amazon basin. And it is a, a psychotropic plant, changes your consciousness. And, but it is non-addictive and it is very efficacious in treating drug addiction and other illnesses. And then, uh, so you start out with that and then you retreat in a tiny hut, tiny, tiny, with no door, in the middle of the forest, and uh, you don't talk to anybody, and you only eat once a day, uh, boiled rice and a boiled plantain. And you take plants, and there are many of these, they're called teacher plants, because they teach you. And you choose beforehand the plant you're going to take. And I chose a plant called Ushpawasha, which is known as the plant of the memory of the heart, and completely unannounced and surprisingly, about a few days into the retreat, all of a sudden I have this very clear, like, like, like a television show, uh, showing uh, me and my brother when we were children. And then a few days later, another such show showing me and my husband. And what these plants taught me was simplicity total compassion, no judgment, they uh, showed me an aspect of my life, in particular my relationship to my husband, that I was blind to, in spite of having done a lot of therapy and analysis. <laughs> so it was worth decades of therapy and analysis in just a few seconds. And it helped me tremendously um, first of all, that whole retreat, uh, silent retreat, fasting retreat, um, pulled me out of my, my uh, hole, my despair. Um, but more than that, looking back, at the time I was just healing and grateful for those visions and this understanding. But looking back uh, after a few years, I realized that Everything that I did then, namely a few months later, I started my, my own 
center. Everything went wonderfully, which had not been the case before. And it became so clear to me that, uh, you know, I, I call them the spirits because that's what the local indigenous people call them, you know, generically. They have specific names. They could be of those plants that I took. I don't know. I'm not, I can't say more than that. But it became so clear to me that uh, everything that had happened had happened for a purpose, because I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do, and what I was supposed to do is what I'm doing now. Mm. And and since I started, which was kicked off by that retreat, everything is going wonderfully. I mean, there are the usual little, little bumps, but compared to what had happened in before, there's nothing. Mostly, it, it, it was glorious. It's been glorious, continues to be glorious. Mm. And I, for one know that uh, this is, I cannot take credit for what I'm doing. I am the medium. Uh, that's the most I can say. This is, this, these are powers and forces uh, that go through me, certainly, but that come from, from a much larger context, mysterious con context but a context that at the same time uh, I, was, I'm, I was simply astounded by the precision of the understanding that was conveyed to me. Um, so, you know, the, the shamans say that, the plants tell you, they tell you, they teach you. Uh, they teach the curandero, the shaman, him or herself, what the issues are, and I know it's true. It's absolutely true. And uh, that is something that in the Western, you know, the Western context is simply not possible and not considered real. And when you begin, and I hope my listeners will not jump to that conclusion, when you talk that way, then you immediately banish to the terrible realm of New Age which kills you academically. <laughs> <laughs> but I am simply saying, uh, sharing, because I trust you and your program, Rochelle, and I certainly trust Bayou, I'm sharing something that really happened. It's just the way it happened. And uh, it corresponds, furthermore, to what uh, the curanderos say, curanderos, curanderas, um, and uh, we just have to accept it. And what I want to bring, uh, if, if I may, if I'm not monopolizing the conversation too much, Rochelle. No, please like go ahead. To, to bring in um, a, a recent read of mine, which I find absolutely extraordinary. This is from Thomas Berry's last book called Evening Thoughts. Now, Thomas Berry was a great scholar of cultural studies, but he was also a Catholic priest. Um, he passed away in 2009, and this book came out in 2006. And he, uh, he identifies a series of transcendences in Western civilization 
that he sees as the root cause of the terrible, terrible destruction uh, we are wrecking on the planet and the atmosphere. And I want to just uh, point out his last transcendence, which he calls a transcendent historical destiny for humans. Um, this sense that, and I'm quoting, this sense that our destiny is in some other world, namely a trans-phenomenal world, has so diminished our concern for this world that the religious believers in our society have shown little concern for the integrity and survival of this world. So that, you know, the numinous or even sacred quality of this world, this phenomenal world, the planet and the cosmos at large, has not been uh, front and center in Western civilization, and even less so in Western modernity. Uh, and that, that is why when, you know, one talks like the way I've just talked, we're Im immediately dismissed, or often, certainly in academia or the academia I know, uh, we're easily dismissed as being new age, because this is so entrenched in our history that we cannot uh, believe that uh, plants have consciousness and knowledge. Or maybe it is an issue that what is happening, and I'm open to that, I, uh, this is all a mystery, really, is that what is going on is interaction between, in this case, me and plant, and a particular plant. That gives rise to something. But that possibility uh, is simply not there, mostly. I mean, certain quantum physicists are, like Karen Barad is now talking about that, and very brilliantly so. Mm. But uh, in the culture at large, uh, it's not there. And, um, and what... Um, now, of course, I do not offer ayahuasca sessions to uh, the participants that come to my courses and the students in particular because it is just too risky to do so. Not risky because it is a risky endeavor. It's not if it's done properly. Uh, but uh, even though it's legal in Peru, it's, as you know, it's illegal in the United States and thus it is seen as a drug, you know, a bad drug. So that's something that I do not offer my students. But what I do offer them is learning about it, hearing uh, hearing uh, the founder of Takiwasi, who is a French MD and who's apprenticed for six years with local shamans and uh, was told by the spirits in the vision that he needs to reciprocate by treating drug addiction, which he didn't want to do. <laughs> he told me the story, he said, they told me to do that, and I said to myself, drug addiction is a bitch, I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and he procrastinated, actually, for three years. And then the spirits came back. Yeah, the spirit, they identified themselves as the guardian spirits of the forest. 
And I said, well, you know, now is the time. We've waited. And then he did it. And he's totally dedicated. And in fact, it's his, uh, Taki Westy, his center is very successful in treating drug addiction compared to the methadone standard treatment, which has very poor results. So uh, I bring students to Takiwasi to see, to be, you know, explain how they treat, and then hear a lecture by Dr. Jacques Mabit, the founder. Um, but I also bring at the beginning, as I mentioned in the first segment, that uh, I bring a curandero or curandera to protect them, which does not involve them ingesting anything. And uh, we participate in uh, communal rituals when we are invited only uh, in native communities. And then we devise spontaneously and collectively at my own center with the students rituals to a sacred tree that is there, spirit tree, to the moon, we have the most spectacular full moon rise at my center, really spectacular, that mm. really calls forth from us the desire to reciprocate and do a, a ritual as beautiful as we can manage and do offerings in our food field, in our garden and other such things besides the physical work of doing uh, doing the, this this earth, uh, this soil, and everything that is involved in it, which is quite complex. So, Frederick, yes. I'm going to have to just stop you right there so we can take a, a short break. And when we get back, if we can dive right back in, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you know that you were born to experience revolutionary wellness? Have you wondered why extraordinary physical, mental, and emotional health has eluded you? Do you know that your infinite personal power resides right here in the present moment? People all over the world are awakening to their birthright. Revolutionary Wellness. Subscribe today at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com and begin your journey into the mystery. Engage with experts in topics of nourishment, wisdom, and empowerment. Develop mental clarity. Live wholeheartedly and be empowered to live an authentic life of passion and purpose. The world, now more than ever, needs you to feel revolutionarily well. Explore and integrate new ways of being. Learn to access your own unique treasure, the wisdom that is right there inside you, waiting to be revealed. Experience a renewed, vivid, and nourishing relationship with yourself and the world around you. Log on and subscribe to Revolutionary Wellness Magazine today and experience the publication devoted to your journey toward extraordinary health and well-being. RevolutionaryWellnessMagazine.com Are your eating habits out of control? Does food have power over you? Have you been diagnosed with an eating disorder or feel that you might have one? Before you follow advice or suggestions from uninformed sources, listen to Chasing Hunger every Tuesday with host Kathy Welter Nichols, who will dispel the myths, reveal the secrets, share good practice, and open the gateway through awareness and deeper understanding. Every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
You are listening to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Rochelle is a clinician of mind-body medicine, lifestyle change, and self-healing. She is a life mentor, author, and publisher of Revolutionary Wellness Magazine. You can reach Rochelle at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. Now back to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. For these traditional Indian fisher folk, the sea is not a natural resource, but rather a goddess with whom they interact, with whom they respect, whose gifts make them live, and to whom they reciprocate with gift offerings. This is from Dr. Frederic Apfel Marglin's book, Subversive Spiritualities, How Rituals Enact the World. You can order this book on Amazon, and she has an upcoming book also available on Amazon that you can pre-order. And our um, Dr. Frederic Apfel Marglin is Professor Emerita, Department of Anthropology at Smith College and founder and director of the Sacha Mama Center for Biocultural Regeneration in the Peruvian High Amazon. She has spent years in India and Peru working with indigenous peoples and with farmers. She has authored as well as edited 14 books and published over 60 articles. And in 1993, she decided for political and ethical reasons that she could no longer engage in classical anthropology anthropological fieldwork and ever since has been invited to collaborate with activists and intellectual groups in Peru and in Bolivia. And um, Frederick's next book title is titled Sacred Soil, Biochar and the Regeneration of the Earth, also with chapters by Robert Tyndall and David Shearer, published by North Atlantic Books, and that will um, be out in July. And again, you can order that on Amazon. And my um, co-host today is Dr. Bio Akomolafe. And to learn more about Bio's work, you can go to emergencenetwork.org or bioakomolafe.net. And if you missed any part of his three-part series that was in January, definitely go back into the archives. They are available there for you, and they are free, as always, and downloadable. Um, so, Bio, if I can hand the mic over to you, and um, if there's any anything you'd like to say about what, what Frederic was sharing about her story and um, before we came to the break, or if there's anything in particular that you'd like to uh, maybe facilitate is for Frederic to share about. Right. Thank you. Um, so there, there is a uh, um, Frederic. Thank you for you know sharing so beautifully about what felt like a breakdown, but was actually a breakthrough mm-hmm. into into uh, a different kind of space altogether. And I was listening to you speak about um, you know just adumbrating on uh, about a world that seems to be locked down to its sacredness, so to speak. So it doesn't notice that there is so much more beyond its confines, that there are wilds beyond its fences, if you will. Mm. Um, um, and we feel so alone. Uh, there, there is a palpable, touchable sense of aloneness mm. that we feel. Um, and our cities even make it worse. They're not designed for community. They're not designed for people to turn to each other. They're not designed with the idea, um, or rather, they're designed with the understanding, with the presupposition that we are all we've got. And that's basically it. Um, 
and I'm just thinking about the radical consequences of noticing that the world notices us as well. <laughs> it, it may, maybe doesn't quite endorse everything we do, but that <laughs> the world, but that the world initiates, creates, produces, and sometimes you know resists. Most times, I would say, resists what we do. That that we live in a world that is populated with other beings. And those beings are not just metaphorical figures of our imagination. They're actually beings with agency. And they have force and they have material effects on the world. I mean, it just coming to terms with that understanding, um, it, with that, with that mind-blowing uh, paradigm is, you know, it's, yeah, words fail me or words escape me at this point in time to think about the consequences of that. Um, how, what, what are the things that you do in Sachamama? And I know you're going to be speaking about Sachamama as we go forward. What are the things that you do in Sachamama, apart from maybe um, holding rituals that might be tangentially related to an ayahuasca ceremony, but what are the other practices and rituals and um, activities that hold that space, um, the idea, the notion that the world is sacred. And what can we do? What can people around the world, and I don't want to put a blanket um, universality on the world, but what can we do in our places, those of us still gestating in cities and neighborhoods and blocks, what can we do to sacralize or resacralize our lives and notice that the world is also alive for us. Yes, thank you, Bayo. That's a wonderful question. Well, there are many things, but I'm going to pick one example. Um, and it's an example uh, when we go and we, we stay in a native community, an indigenous community, uh, for a few days and nights. And, um, well, I'll, I'll take two examples. <laughs> that community, until extremely recently, had no electricity. And uh, the students would go out at night, which falls very early, like 6.30. And we go out and watch the stars. I mean, you've never seen the stars like that, where there's no competing artificial light. It's the grandest show. And all my students just fall, spontaneously they fall silent. Mm. Uh, there's nothing organized. I don't tell them anything. They just go, look up, and are just transported into some other zone. And they do not stop uh, talking about it. And it's, it's a highlight, uh, just like the rise of the full moon, that's another occasion. It is so beautiful, so spectacular. But also, the one, the other example I want to give is that uh, July, which is uh, when I hold my course or program, uh, is, the, is one of the planting season of the agricultural year. And uh, the villagers invite us to participate and um, you, we do, uh, they lead an offering uh, to, the f to the chakra, the food field, 
with traditional corn beer called chicha in traditional clay uh, clay cups. And then we break those clay pots and bury the shards in the soil and then immediately start planting. And the planting, um, the planting of, in particular, one example, uh, because we always plant peanuts, that's a very important crop, uh, requires all kinds of what anthropology call taboo, uh, which I prefer to refer to as restraints. You can't, you know, thoughtlessly, you plant and then you're done and you you go about your business. No. Uh, Peanut called mani, mani is, as they say, is very fastidious um, and very particular. So uh, after planting, you you have to do a a fast until the next morning, uh, and not scratch your head, not touch your hair directly with your fingers, and a few other things. And I thought that my students would find this, uh, you know, not appealing, and they'll say, "Well, this doesn't mean anything. Why should we do that?" But no, they were completely in the mood. And of course, it helps that we're doing it with the villagers, and everybody's doing it. And they did it, and they and they didn't find it uh, superstitious or uh, you know primitive or whatever. Um, they did it, and uh, what this. You know, it's the same thing as the menstrual regulation I was talking about in the first uh, the first episode. Uh, that uh, we this these practices and these things that the students are led to do uh, immediately uh, make them realize that we, the planters and the seed and the soil and everything, are intimately connected, intimately entangled. And what we do affects the other, and what the other does affects us. Uh, And uh, that's a very powerful learning as well. And there are many such things that we do that little by little uh, open up this other mode of being to the participants. Uh, sometimes it's it takes a while because many students um, consider, you know, are, are kind of allergic to rituals. They, they just don't like it and don't like anything remotely uh, uh, reminding them of something like religion. And they very often, they are all, the students that come to me are on the left and they are very conscious about justice among humans but that's the only justice they think of and, and, and uh, uh, sorry frederick frederick yes. i was just gonna i'm just gonna take that take it um you know what you said about ritual and because mm-hmm. i i think i think that's really key to understanding the way that moderns uh um approach the sacred they think of rituals as this uh thing that is probably um that is done with accompanying uh, ritualistic sounds and drumming 
or maybe something out of a, a movie coming to America, <laughs> or maybe <laughs> something that have to do with hunting lions <laughs> and stuff like that. Some, some cosmetic voodoo, you know, stuff. But mm-hmm. um, I, I think, you know, I, and, I, and I know this is what you also believe, that rituals are uh, what the practices we do to maintain our, you know, stability in a moving reality. The, 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 the things that we do, like waking up and going to the doctor or voting is a ritual. Those things that we do to maintain the world um, are rituals in some senses. So uh, they're, like, they're like practices, right? Um, it, the, the question, no, maybe not a question, maybe, but maybe a deepening of the thought um, and to take it in the direction of entanglement as well. I don't know how much time we have left. But you also mentioned stuff about entanglement and how we're entangled with soil and dirt and tree and rock. Um, mm-hmm. There is a pervasive sense that, um, especially in new age circles, and I definitely am with you in not speaking about new age uh, thought as uh, something sinister or, or evil or incomplete. Um, but basically, the the idea of entanglement in these circles is that we, we have lost our individuality, that we're this murky, muddled, lumpy mess of nothingness, if you will. And there, there, really, isn't, there really isn't much to that idea. There isn't, there, there's not anything endearing about that notion of entanglement. If you can, what, what do you mean by entanglement? Let me hold let me hold that answer, Frederick, just right. for after right. the break. This is perfect timing. So we're gonna take a short break, but before we go, just allow me to share a bit about Frederick Apfel Marglin Suchamama Center for Biocultural Regeneration. It is a nonprofit organization in the Peruvian High Amazon dedicated to the biocultural regeneration of the region in collaboration with the indigenous Quichuelamistas, the descendants of pre-Columbian inhabitants, as well as with local uh, the local education board of the province of Lamas. The Suchamama Center for Biocultural Regeneration shares a worldview in which the human, the non-human, as well as the community of spirits are all kin to each other, treating nature as a thou rather than an it. You can find a link to the Suchamama Center for Biocultural Regeneration on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio's radio page at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. And um, you can connect with Frederic on Facebook at Centro Suchamama. And we will be right back after this break. Steps to a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you know that you were born to experience revolutionary wellness? Have you wondered why extraordinary physical, mental, and emotional health has eluded you? Do you know that your infinite personal power resides right here in the present moment? People all over the world are awakening to their birthright. Revolutionary Wellness. Subscribe today at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com and begin your journey into the mystery. Engage with experts in topics of nourishment, wisdom, and empowerment. Develop mental clarity. Live wholeheartedly and be empowered to live an authentic life of passion and purpose. The world, now more than ever, needs you to feel revolutionarily well. Explore and integrate new ways of being. Learn to access your own unique treasure, the wisdom that is right there inside you, waiting to be revealed. 
Experience a renewed, vivid, and nourishing relationship with yourself and the world around you. Log on and subscribe to Revolutionary Wellness Magazine today and experience the publication devoted to your journey toward extraordinary health and well-being. RevolutionaryWellnessMagazine.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of Return to Peace. Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Rochelle is a clinician of mind-body medicine, lifestyle change, and self-healing. She is a life mentor, author, and publisher of Revolutionary Wellness Magazine. You can reach Rochelle at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. Now back to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Welcome back, everyone. Our guest today is Frederic Apfel-Marglin, and we have our co-host, Dr. Bio Okomolafe. And uh, Frederic, if you want to just dive into the beautiful, um, answering Bio's beautiful question, that would be wonderful. Thank you. Uh, well, before I, I uh, answer your question about what do I understand by entanglement, let me just uh, quickly say about uh, what my previous remarks about um, um, uh, you know, interaction. No, 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 no. The the you know that what's so so hated by academia. Uh, <laughs> uh, new, 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 new age. age yes. New age. So <laughs> I, I did not mean to. I did not mean what I said as an endorsement of new age. Uh, new age is, is a huge, very uh, wide spectrum in which they are very, very problematic uh, practices. And it tends to be dominated by a very individualistic, consumerist uh, attitude. But um, so that, that I just wanted to clarify that I'm not endorsing uh, New Age as such, even though in it yeah. there are some beautiful practices and some very problematic practices. But having said yeah. that, to, to return to your question about what do I mean by entanglement, let me just say uh, that uh, returning to the word or the neologism that Karen Barad, the um, quantum physicist, uses of interacting, it means that the, the starting point, as it were, rather than being a thing, whatever that thing be, a human being, a plant, whatever it be, an atom, a neuron, a a proton, whatever, proton, Uh, 
you start with the relationship. And I think that's key because we uh, tend, uh, you know, in the Western tradition, especially in Western modernity, to start with the object, right? That's certainly how natural science or classical natural science rather has proceeded. So you have to bound your field of study and identify the objects and how they interrelate. Uh, whereas um, entanglement and interaction shifts the focus uh, or, or rather makes visible uh, that what is actually going on is um, a relationship and, and that what uh, falls out of this relationship are then things that are derivative and not primary whether you're talking about human beings or whatever you're talking about or, or atoms or whatever. And I think that's what I mean. So when you uh, shift your focus to the relationship, then really that does change everything. Uh, how we relate, um, we relate, or well, we realize that we are the the result of these incredibly uh, uh, dynamic uh, cosmos, and we are never bounded essential uh, entities, never. But we have thought of ourselves that way, and we have thought of the world that way. And it's key to 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 exit. That, that mode of being, that mode of thought, it's really important. And of course, in, in my programs in the upper Amazon, I do it, uh, you know, in accessible and, and friendly and understandable or accessible, you know, ways. Uh, you can't start big. I mean, I do have them read things, but reading is just a first step. And sometimes it's not even that. So you really have to translate it into actions. And it is those actions and that, like the one about planting peanut, that you know, at first it's a very good exercise if you want to look at it that way. It's much more than that. If you want to look at it that way, a pedagogical exercise, because it makes no sense intellectually to us, us modern people. It makes absolutely no sense. And that is a good practice. <laughs> it's a good way to start. Right. <laughs> it, it brings humility. It brings openness of the heart. And what it puts as primary is precisely the relationship. The relationship. And the realization that nothing happens, as you say, in isolation. And when you think of... Uh, the entities, whatever they be, uh, whether they be living beings or humans or atoms or rocks or whatever, as primary, then you are not focusing on, on the interaction, the dynamics, the, the dynamics, right. yeah, the dynamic that produces an amazing, you know, amazing results. Uh, and it also fosters humility 
because you you cannot you see this starting by understanding and say you know why should I do that that absolutely makes no sense what's the connection between planting peanut and scratching my head type of reaction well doing it and brings immediately humility can I right. Can I capture the world through my intellect? That in itself is, is, I think, part of the problem. This is not to diss the intellect. I do not diss the intellect. And we do make, do very serious intellectual work in my programs, three mornings a week uh, for 14 weeks. So that's and a lot of readings. So it's not, I'm not dissing it, but I'm trying to open open people to realizing that uh, this is one particular way and if you have if you figure things out intellectually then it's like okay I've got it in my hand I know what it's about I can make it and it's very much the engineer planning design kind of attitude uh, and as we know that you know does not take into account uh, what all this does uh, to the non-human world, not to speak of the other than human world, which is simply negated. Right. Uh, since yes, yeah, yeah, Frederico, I'll just uh, it's it's getting you know the uh, we're diving deeper and deeper, and I'm not sure if Rochelle, I'm not sure if there's a question you like to put across, but but uh, so many are you know just. E emerging for me right now and the and you know this here's one of the things that you you come across every day especially when you speak this way about a world that is alive or about the, the or about intellect you know um mm -hmm. you you come across you come across people who who say um yeah in maybe speak similarly you know about the intellect about wanting to find other ways of knowing but they kind of create a binary between what they would colloquially call the 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 head and the heart. You know, mm -hmm. um, uh, you you know from your head, and I know from the heart. And it, it, I think, in practice, those persons who disavow any form of knowing from the head, whatever that means, um, seem to depend on the, um, you know, whatever occurs to me as truth is mm -hmm. my truth, and. Mm -hmm. And and it re, it just regurgitates this postmodern distance from the world. It's like it's my truth, and I'm sticking to it because it's from my heart. So if I come to if you come to me with something that seems intellectually rigorous, then I'm just going to shut you out. I'm not going to do the work that is needed to meet this kind of um, conversation. I mean, what can you say about that? Yes, excellent. I'm glad you bring that up. That is, that I is just so found, true. I just found the opportunity to do so. Eh? Yes, <laughs> yes, that is so true because I do get, uh, I do get that th those yeah. comments from yeah. participants. Yeah. You know, this is my truth. This is how you know I experience it. Yeah. So, uh, hence my emphasis on rituals um, that are collective and um, dynamic, they are not frozen because they usually they are all overwhelmingly oral, uh, transmitted orally. Um, and uh, and again, in, in the context in which uh, my program takes place, namely the Amazon, it's of course a shamanic context. It's very alive, 
it's very much there. Um, you you are aware that um, you are not the only uh, the only sentience, uh, and I would I would say as well the only consciousness around, and um, that. But however, having said that, the way you interact, the way you come near uh, these uh, these plants, in this case, uh, the psychotropic plants or other plants, uh, master plants, uh, purgative plants, household plants, all of them medicinal, um, you approach them in not just any any way, any old way uh, that you are moved by in the moment. They're very strict rules passed down uh, orally from generation to generation. How, when do you collect a plant? Uh, example, the most sacred plants uh, have to be collected very early in the morning when before you have taken any food, but after you have bathed, and you have to collect them from the eastern side where the sunrise hits the plant, not just anywhere. And you have to sing a song, an ikaro. It's called ikaro, a shamanic song. So that gives you a sense. That's for collecting them, then preparing them. Same thing. You have to, it's, you know, full of rules of what, how, and when, and what you do. And uh, the ceremonies are like that. And uh, last summer, I had a student who was very interested in psychotropics. And she was, in fact, uh, taking daily uh, a small dose of LSD and a dose of, uh, of cannabis, um, but she was violently against ritual. And I said, you know, this is not our culture in modern fields, and this is what I wanted to be accepted and, uh, and not uh, made illegal, and, but it has to be done in our way, our modern way. And I don't think I was successful. I may have opened her a little bit, but not very much, uh, to convey that to do it this way, you know, is, is a consumerist way that really emerges from this great separation between the human world and the non-human world, and that doing it ritually is the opposite, and that it, it, it has developed over untold generations in a very long time, uh, and partly through these communication that comes from non-human to humans, uh, as the one that happened to me. And so you can't just uh, do it uh, any way you want or you find convenient. You can't just get up and decide, you know, choose like, this is exactly how I'm going to experience this. Like yes. there, there, are, there are intelligences we have to meet halfway. And exactly. That's the, that's the troubling thing for most modern people to understand it's that we if that it's not just it's not just humans all the way down exactly if you will it's it's exactly. not it's it's it, 
we have to come and we are, you know, we're embedded in a world with other beings and they have their say as well. Rocks and stones, um, even without appealing to a panpsychist, you know, notion of consciousness embedded in every form of or every material form. We still have to take note of the material effects of the world that is beyond our story so that yes. we, we can no longer stand in our place and say, look, the world is entirely our story. And if we change it, we can change the world. It's, it's, it's basically a, humili- a humiliating or uh, a coming down to earth, if you will. <laughs> yes. My, I, I'm going to stop you both right now. And we just have a couple minutes to close. And I just wanted to say right. thank you so much for Bio First for being with me for this two-part series with um, Dear Frederick. It's been amazing. Um, Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio's co-host, author, speaker, and walkout academic Bio Akamalafe is globally recognized for his poetic, unconventional, counterintuitive take on global crises, civic action, and social change. He's the executive director of Initiating Coordinating Curator for the Emergence Network. You can find that at emergencenetwork.org. And you can learn more about his work on bioakamalafe.net. So thank you so much, Bio, for being with us today. Thank you so much, Rochelle. And doc, uh, Dr. Frederic Apfel-Marglin, um, you definitely want to go on to her website, which you can access on experiencerevolutionarywellness.com's radio page at the bottom. You can click there. You can also find her on Facebook at Centro Sacha Mama, and she has a book um, coming out this July, so that's also on Amazon, so definitely pre-order your book. Um, but thank you, dear Frederic, for being with us today on and for this series on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio and for sharing your extraordinary and revolutionary lifetime of work with us all. It's very inspiring. And I look forward to having you back on, hopefully um, in June. So um, just for my listeners to listen for that. But thank you, dear Frederic, for being with us. Thank you so much, Rochelle. Thank you, Bayou. And thank you to thank all you, the Frederic. And definitely tune in next week for the Emergence Network's Precipice series with Annie Levin, where we will be wondering out loud together as we navigate the perplexing ecological, social, economic, and existential realities of our time. Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio's Precipice series aspires to stand at the edge, the edge of what we know, the edge of what we understand, and what is familiar, and to see what conversations emerge from there. Um, The Precipice series will invite guests willing to explore the unknown terrain with us. They may be experts in certain things, but none of us are experts in navigating this time. So we will be wondering out loud together. So mark your calendars for that. And in the meantime, you can join us on our Facebook page, follow us on our Twitter feed at Revolution Well, and connect with us on our website, experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. Thank you so much for joining joining us on this journey. Until next time, may you be well, and may we all be well. Thank you for opening your heart and mind to a new way of being, to greater degrees of self-compassion and wellness, and your experience of your own infinite potential with Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Join host Rochelle next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time to turn courageously towards your own unique experience of health and wellness here on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember, you too can experience revolutionary wellness.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.